Welcome to the Ben Racky Fitness Show. guys i have katie dabrowski on the podcast today katie if you could just give us a little bit of your background and um kind of how you got into how you got into training strength and conditioning obviously being a physical therapist that'd be great yeah sure thanks for having me on i've been excited to do this um so my i kind of had a roundabout way with how i ended up in the pt world even though like a lot of things in my life kind of would make sense that I would want to be a PT. I just didn't realize it until later. Um, my background is in neuroscience. It's what I studied as an undergraduate. And I worked in the research world for a while before ultimately realizing I wanted to be a PT. Um, but I was a college athlete. I was a division two rower. Um, and I had my share of injuries, worked with really phenomenal strength and conditioning and PT and athletic training staff members at my institution, um, but still didn't have that moment that I think most PTs are like, oh yeah, I got injured when I played my sport and realized I wanted to be a PT. Still didn't really come to me then. Um, I kind of always had this plan that I was going to do the neuroscience research route. So I worked in a bunch of labs, did all the publication stuff, like kind of all the stuff that you do in the research world. Um, and I realized that I was going crazy looking at like a microscope all day and not talking to humans. Um, and I worked at a really cool, it's called the Miami Project to Cure Paralysis. It's a really cool traumatic brain injury and spinal cord injury research center um, affiliated with the University of Miami, uh, down in Miami. And it was awesome, like world-class kind of place. Um, but every day and I would get in the elevator and like go to the microscope room <laughs> and not speak to anybody. Um, and I love science. I love all of that stuff and, and publication and presentation and all of that. But I was starting to realize like, okay, I'm not really seeing the effects of this stuff on like humans. Um, I'm just kind of hanging out with rats and <laughs> losing my mind. Um, and on the first floor of that building is actually this whole rehab center and it's run by a physical therapist, um, a really prolific PT. Nice. And she basically ran all of the clinical trials and the actual rehab for the individuals coming in with brain injury and spinal cord injury. And that was kind of the first time that I realized like, oh, wow, there's somebody that is involved in the research world, the academic world and the clinical world. And she's not on a microscope. Um, so I had a meeting with her and I kind of talked, this was the first time I ever had this epiphany that all of the things that I thought I wanted with research and academia, I could also achieve in the PT world. Um, and she really motivated me to, to consider the therapy option. Um, and then as time progressed, like within PT school at the university of Miami, um, neuroscience is my thing. I love it, but I'm not really into neuro rehab as much necessarily my background of strength and conditioning, athleticism, that's, that's my jam. That's what I love. I like the neuroscience principles of that, but I like that population of athleticism more. So I was able to kind of curate this experience of like all of the neuroscience background I had. Um, plus now, you know, my love for strength and conditioning, sports, all of that good stuff. Um, so it evolved in a kind of weird way, but it's, it feels like I'm where I'm supposed to be now, which is cool. 
Yeah, man. Wow. So neuroscience background. Um, what, I guess, did you play sports and stuff in high school? Um, I grew up, I did gymnastics when I was younger. Um, okay. I grew up playing lacrosse actually for a while. Nice. Um, I got really into lacrosse and then I found rowing in high school very randomly. And I just, I didn't really know much about it. Um, but I was super interested and I wanted to try it out. I don't know why it just was, it, I thought it was really cool. And I tried out for the team and made the team and I loved it. And it became like my obsession. That was where I learned about strength and conditioning. We had, we were a small school and it was the first year the program was in existence when I tried out. Okay. So like we had like nothing, <laughs> um, right. but we had a weight room. Our coach was younger. He had gone to a program that in the men's rowing world is really, really excellent. So he was still, he was in his twenties. Like he was still obsessed with the sport and we did strength and conditioning as high schoolers two to three times a week, plus our practices. And I just fell in love with all of it. Um, I started to realize, Oh, I'm kind of strong. Like, this is kind of cool. I didn't know I had this skill set. Um, and it just developed, like I became really obsessed with it all. So yeah, it was, it was such a random thing to just try. Um, and I ended up, you know, getting to the point where I was getting recruited by colleges. And that also was never something I thought I was going to do. I was like a nerd. Like I knew I was going to sure. go to college for nerdy endeavors. Um, <laughs> so like, I mean, sports isn't really something in my family. My dad doesn't know the difference between football and basketball. Like it's <laughs> not a thing. So yeah, and I, I ended up being able to go in college and it just like that foundation of starting to train at like 14 really intensely for something and carry it through college and just like, it was my life. I loved it so much. Um, so yeah, and then after college, I kept being interested in training. So I kept strength training a ton. Um, and so it's been 16 years now, like I've been really, really training for wow. a long time. Yeah, it's that's, crazy to think about it. That's awesome. Um, are you from Florida originally? Yeah, a small awesome. town, Vero Beach, very teeny tiny, not much. Right on. Yeah. Are yeah. you, uh, so I guess like going into, like what originally got you into, because you went the neuroscience route mm -hmm. straight away. What, what, what intrigued you about neuroscience? Right I away? actually started as a psychology major. I've always been interested in like psychology, biology, yeah. all of that stuff. Um, and still like, I'm super interested in all that stuff. And I sure. took my first, it was called like biological basis of behavior. And okay. I took that class within the psychology curriculum. And I was like, whoa, I didn't even really know what neuroscience was and how all of this stuff was connected. Um, and that completely rerouted me. I basically changed all of my coursework to be pretty strictly neuroscience. Um, I did like a honors thesis, all that stuff, and just got really, really into the, the neuro world. Um, but I definitely didn't always know. I don't think I even like when we're in high school, I don't even think we really know what different majors can lead you to in a career. No, like I, I don't think no idea. a lot of people don't recognize that like, Oh, if you want to go to med school, you probably need to major in like biology. Like those sure. connections, I feel like we just don't even make. <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. Like I'm just going to college. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, kind of I just took that class and I realized I was really into it um and then the rest I, I went to a small private school so right. the faculty were phenomenal where we actually like knew them um a lot of my more intense neuro courses 
there were like eight of us in them. And we would sit in a circle and have like Socratic seminar style discussion about neuroscience topics, like just a really cool experience. Very, um, in, very intimate. Yeah. So yeah. I got to get a lot of exposure that I don't think I would have gotten at a bigger school. So once you, once you decided that um, you wanted to go like the physical therapy route, um, I guess like once you, once you started, once you got done with school and started practice, like what are the, I guess like what are the biggest connections that you make on our, on a consistent basis between like some of the stuff that you learned in the neuroscience realm and within, we could just say like pain or like yeah. um, rehab or straight yeah. just kind of like that umbrella in general. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think first it's kind of important to, to tell people like what my practice model is. So that kind of makes sense too. Um, so we're, you know, we're completely one-on-one. -on -one. We're a hybrid model of, it's called Old Bull Athletics. We're a hybrid model of strength and conditioning and performance and physical therapy. Um, so all of our PTs are CSCSs and have performance backgrounds as well. Um, and then we do have some specific performance coaches. So it's like a full spectrum of everything. We're really lucky that we get to see people, you know, totally one-on-one -on -one and we, we meet them where they're at. Like we're able to take them from acute stage of rehab all the way back to really high levels of performance or anywhere along the way. Um, and with that, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that we get a certain type of clientele who really wants to be there and right. who, you know, is looking for that, that different experience. Um, and a lot of times that are, that is people who are super athletic and I got to get them back to their sport. I, I work with a lot of like CrossFitters and strength athletes and I got to get them back to the box. Like that's their life. Right. Um, but we also get a lot of chronic pain individuals too, um, who basically tried everything and they're looking for somebody with a little bit more, um, answers. So all of that stuff, I definitely feel like the, my neuroscience background helps a ton. Um, obviously, you know, this people listening, know this. Um, everything is related to our nervous system, like yes. everything, the muscular system is the neuromuscular system. Um, there's, they're inextricably linked. Like right. you have to understand neuroscience to understand, at least in some way to sure. understand what's happening, um, in our muscles and our tissues. Um, but especially with injury and pain. So I think so much of what I focus on with people you know, reading the room to their tolerance and to what they actually want to know um, sure. is the education process about pain and, and what it means, what it doesn't mean, what we can learn from it, how we can recover from these kind of like fixed pain signals that, that get stuck after injury and persist way after tissue damage is healed anyway. Um, and having the background from a neuroscience perspective um, mixed with like my affinity toward movement and strength, I think is a really good combo for these people who need to be reassured. They need to understand what the hell is going on, but they also need to be encouraged to move and to feel like they're working with someone that they feel safe to move with. Um, right. So that's kind of where it all ties together. Did you, um, did you spend any time in like physical therapy that wasn't more of an active based population? Yeah, I mean, in our internships, we kind of have to see a lot of right, 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 right. Um, I worked in my final internship, which I really loved and, and probably could have seen myself doing. But ultimately, like starting the business that I did is just really where my passion is. But right. um, I worked in like the spinal cord injury population, okay. um, which was crazy intense, um, but amazing. 
And sure. in our internships too, we work with, you get placed at different uh, clinics and you can have a little bit of say in choosing in that, but a lot of them are the more traditional insurance models um, where you're getting this general population. So we definitely get, get our experience there. But in my professional life, um, I've been really lucky. You know, I started, I didn't take a job out of PT school and I started a cash practice right away. Um, and then ultimately met my business partner through Old Bull Athletics now. But I kind of got to see who I wanted to see from the beginning, which is sure. really lucky and crazy that it worked. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I guess the 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 big thing to to get into here is like some of the because we were you know we were talking about pain and like I mean there's even. Just for example, we had a girl at the facility the other day and somewhere, somewhere, someone, someone, somewhere along the line, uh, whether it was a PT or whether it was a orthopedic doc or, and this is a high school girl, somewhere, somewhere along the line, somebody, somebody told her that she had bad hips and she said it out loud, Katie, literally like probably five times, like while I was at the, while I was at the facility. And like, I guess like, I mean, why is it so, why is it so important for people to understand that pain is such a multifactorial thing? And like, how do we, I, I guess like as a, and I, there's no easy answer obviously to this, but like, I guess as a culture, like how do we move the needle forward on like physical therapy and rehab and like different professions, because like, it seems like every physical therapist that I talk to that like is a CSCS and really believes in like getting the body stronger and being more resilient. Like those are the people that are getting like true success stories with people. Like, and I'm not, and I'm not just saying like a success story to where like your range of motion is restored. Like it's like, it's like more, than, it, it's more yeah. than that. And it's like, yeah. And it's something that like where the person feels empowered to like do the things that they want to do in their daily lives. And I mean, I guess like we are living in a culture where people, <laughs> a lot of people don't maybe want to exercise and don't want to take care of their health. And like, I guess we realize that. And like, that's why you have to run a cash-based business. <laughs> and like, right. that's, yeah. that's why, um, you know, the insurance model of, of, you know, physical therapy is kind of a, you know, people call it a mill or whatever, but like, I, there's, I, I kind of asked like 10 questions, but like, I guess coming back to the pain thing, like, why is it so important for, you know, people to understand that pain is multifactorial? Yeah, this is stuff that is on my mind constantly. Um, and it's something that we put at the forefront of our whole system of what we do. And I don't even like to say system because system makes it sound like we have like these set things that we do with sure. patients, but it's not. It's just really listening to the patient and adapting our evaluation and treatment accordingly. Um, right. It's so important. We come from, I think this world that there's this hierarchy of healthcare and it's very diagnosis code driven and it's very um, fear induced and you know reactive instead of proactive um and that also comes down to what is what is reimbursed by insurance right like sure. proactive care is not um that's part of the problem but i think we for a long time thought that only the information that physicians and surgeons gave us was correct and right. everything else was witchcraft 
Um, and there is some weird stuff along the way. There's really bad sure. PTs, there's really bad chiropractors, there's really bad um, trainers who are maybe operating yep. out of their scope. There's all 100%. of that stuff. Yep. Um, but I think by and large, what needs to happen is more of a shift of less of a hierarchy of medical care and more of like a lateral approach to medical care where people understand like where they need to go for the right thing. Um, for whatever thing that they're experiencing. That's a huge, like big systemic change that I think needs to happen. Um, Cause it basically was before like, oh, I have pain, therefore something must be terribly wrong. And I probably need to get a surgery an injection or a medication. And it's so hard to take people out of that mindset if it's all they've ever known. Right. So it, it's imperative to talk with people on whatever level that they can tolerate, they can digest or is important to them. Um, I don't need to spin into intense pain neuroscience every time with a person, but to be able to help people understand like how multifaceted pain is, is I think the only way that people get better yeah. because there's no intervention that I can apply if you don't start to realize the big picture of pain. Like right. if you still don't trust me to move through things that might be painful or might send alarm bells to you, if I haven't done a good job of explaining why to push through things or why, how I will guide you if there's something that we shouldn't push through. If you can't buy into that, understand that pain is bigger than um, just equaling tissue damage, like we're kind of screwed. We're not going to get very far. Right. So it's unfortunate, but most providers don't have time to talk about that with people. Yep. They that's the other issue. Yeah. They have 15 minutes to figure out what's wrong and give you an answer. Um, there's my evaluation, like all of our sessions are one-on-one -on -one for an hour. Most of the times my evaluation doesn't even go through all of the things in the proverbial checklist that I would want to look at for this person, because I would rather see where the evaluation takes me and adjust accordingly and make sure I'm explaining some of this stuff that if we don't get this in the beginning, like it's not going to help our outcomes. So there's this push to have a formula for a patient coming in and you do this, 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 and then you tell them what's wrong and then you go, but it's so not like that. Right. So it's, it's a big mess basically. Um, yeah. It's really yeah. frustrating. I feel like most of what we do as PTs in my kind of setting are the undoing of really bad narratives that they've been told before. Um, so many things like, I think my favorite thing in the world is that like visible calming of somebody when I tell them that they're not broken, they're not about to like step off a curb and get out of alignment at any moment. Like one hip being higher than the other doesn't mean they're going to die. Um, like all of these things that it's just, I, I have to undo those notions all of right. the time, but seeing people be like, Oh, that makes sense. Like, okay. Yeah. If I, if it was that easy to get out of alignment, I couldn't sneeze without my spine exploding. Like right. it's just, this crazy stuff. And if we don't understand that at the baseline, I don't think outcomes are, are there for patients. Yeah. Well, and I don't even think people realize that like, you know, we have organs in our body that like are asymmetrical and like, you know, our diaphragm is not so perfectly symmetrical and one lung right. is bigger than the other. And like things are not. So like, we're never going to be just like perfectly <clears throat> in line and perfectly symmetrical. And like, like you said, some of these narratives, I think that, you know, and, and it can be challenging as just like your everyday personal trainer slash strength coach to, you know, 
to try to get people to buy into like the fact that like it's okay and you're not broken like I almost yeah. that's that's you know part of the reason why I like talking to professionals like yourself is like so I can say like hey like go listen to the conversation I have with Katie she's yeah. way smarter than I am has way more education than I have like it and is way more student loan debt so you know <laughs> yeah well that's yeah super super true <laughs> super true as well but I, I guess like following the you know, following the, the, the next question would be like how on a, I guess in a, just in a, in a, in a very general way, how do you explain pain to like someone who, you know, may have these, these kind of uh, preconceived notions about like it, the, basically where they think that they're broken. Like, you know, the high school girl that I said, like has bad hips, like somebody told yeah. her she had bad hips and I'm like, you know, you're, you're laying on the floor doing this like 90 in this 90, 90, you know, internally externally rotated hip position and your knees and your feet are all the, like, your hips are not bad. Like you're fine. Like, and I just yeah. saw you squat. Like I've seen you lunge, like I've seen yeah. you sprint. Like, so it's like, again, how do you, I guess, how do you go about unraveling some of these things um, with, with new, new patients in yeah, a general, in a general sure. way? I think in general, the biggest thing that I, I really emphasize with patients um, is the, the reassurance aspect of that, like my part of my job is to make sure at all times that anybody that I'm working with is within my scope and isn't something that needs to be referred to another practitioner or for imaging. Like that's my job with my assessment, but then also every single time they come in. Right. So I always want to make sure that I'm kind of explaining to people like, more often than not, unless something traumatic happened, like you had an accident, you had a fall, you had something traumatic happen, most pain that we experience is because of a whole slew of factors of, you know, stress, life events, maybe not being prepared for the activity that we were doing, um, right. strength needing to be a little bit better, perhaps range of motion not being quite there. So we're using other stuff along the way and putting right. undue stress in other areas, like barring any event that really really happened it's pretty rare that there's something structurally like traumatically wrong right um so that in itself just kind of like to the person who comes in who's like after you know increasing their load in their crossfit program for their front squats and now they have anterior knee pain um i'm basically saying like it's probably nothing structural um, and even if it was, we can address it for sure. But, you know, that starts to not freak out over the pain experience because that does make it worse. Sure. Um, and I'll explain a little bit of like the, the sympathetic response and the pain response. And I'll explain that again in ways that is reasonable for the person I'm working with and right. how that all drives in to increase pain and, and fear avoidant behavior. And then the brain gets used to this thing that they're scared of. So we keep avoiding it. You know, I'll explain that in kind of general ways, but I think sure. the hallmark is like constantly reassuring that it is my job to make sure that if there's anything else going going on that doesn't make sense to me with my skill set and my knowledge, or if something comes out in evaluation that I need to refer you elsewhere, I will. And that usually helps a ton and makes people realize that like more often than not, what they're coming in with isn't something to be freaked out about. And it's probably sure. just an opportunity for us to get stronger. Um, and that helps a ton. <laughs> that helps a ton. Yeah, wow. Uh, well, and, and like what kind of popped in my head when you were talking about all that stuff is like, 
the amount of, you know, because we were talking off air about the, the athlete that we have at the facility that, that we talked about who was going to go in for an ankle surgery and now he's, he's not having the surgery. And it was my, it was my initial conversation with him when he told me he scheduled the surgery to potentially go get, you know, a second and third opinion because, you know, I'm looking at like, again, just how he's moving with his dynamic stuff. Again, I'm play, I've played basketball with him. I've seen him play his sport, you know, and he's not favoring the ankle or leg. He's not, he, he's not bracing. He's not even wearing a brace. Like it, it's, it, yeah. it seems as if things are fine. And I just feel like, I guess like, you know, how often, uh, how often are there, you know, whether it be doctors, physical therapists, you know, whatever of the like that a lot of times maybe aren't active themselves and don't train themselves and don't really have an understanding of how like strength conditioning leads to like a lot of, a lot of positive adaptations for the body and potentially resilience and stuff like that. Like how often, how often are, are people just saying like, rest in ice or like don't do anything for two weeks where it's like and I'm not even just saying like act like you know athletes and like more active based populations but like I mean people we we know the statistics on obesity type 2 diabetes like all of these lifestyle related diseases like people need to move not yeah. only not only do they need to like get stronger and strength train but like they just need to like so like how often are you seeing the, 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 like you said, like it's the rest and ice, it's the, the, like the pill, the injection, like, I mean, how often are you seeing that kind of stuff? I'm sure you see it a lot more often within, I guess, like the general population, general population folks versus like maybe your, you know, your higher level CrossFit athletes, the, the, the scope that you're in obviously now, but like, I mean, all the time. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, I think part of it is the lens through which most physicians are trained is it's this formula of like, if this, then this. So if they have this pain, then do this specific intervention. Whereas if in the rehab and strength world, it is so not that. Um, and if it is to you, you should maybe reassess what you're doing because there's no way that what you're doing for one person should look the same for somebody who else who comes in with that same injury. Um, it just, it's crazy. So I think there's a little bit of getting like showing people how they're an individual and they're not just like a Google search of shoulder pain um, because there's a ton of reasons why they could have shoulder pain. And I would argue in the way I practice, again, barring anything that is traumatic in nature that would have like serious contraindications for certain movements or certain things, it doesn't really matter what structure is involved necessarily. And people get really held up on this. They're like, is it my rotator cuff? Is it my long head of my biceps? Like they're throwing out all this stuff. And I'm like, it probably just means you need your shoulder to be stronger and to have better capacity, to have better range of motion, to have a progressive overload of everything in the shoulder. Like that's probably what we need to do. And it's so much less of like people, I think want this very specific diagnosis code and this very thing that's wrong with them. Therefore they're stuck on like, Oh, I think I need an injection. I think I need this procedure, but 
what I tell people, like a sweeping generalization of what I do is find the thing that hurts them and gradually over time, get them closer and closer and closer to that position until it doesn't hurt them anymore. Like right. it is that simple. It doesn't mean it's not complex. It doesn't mean there's not critical thinking or an obvious, you know, knowledge of anatomy and physiology, but right. it is that simple. And just talking to people about that and giving them that like message of we can take care of this here is right. it's huge, but we run into that all of the time, all of the Great. time. My physician Great. said I could never pick up something off the floor again. They said to never bend over. My physician said never pick up anything heavier than 20 pounds again. Um, this person said never bring my knee over my toes. This person said never, you know, do a deadlift. Like it's just, it's constantly. So you have to gauge, you know, if this person is fearful of this movement, that doesn't mean to prove a point, I'm going to make them deadlift the first day, but no. I'm going to be explaining them that I'm going to be grading them into that. Graded exposure. Time. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's, I, I take the same approach and like, I might not even have somebody with pain. You know, I have a newer client who's, uh, you know, an older lady and she, you know, she hasn't really ever lifted weights and she, you know, has some fear around the quote unquote lifting heavy. Like I don't want to yeah. lift heavy because I don't want to get bulky. And so, you know, I'll explain things in like very basic, you know, in very basic ways on like, Hey, like, you know, your, your female body is not going to respond the same way as a male would to strength training uh and either way like <laughs> it takes it's just funny because for us i'm like how annoying like, oh. like yeah like i'm trying to get jacked <laughs> i've been i've been i've been consistently training you know like i mean i lifted and stuff for like football and, and and basketball and stuff like in high school but like i didn't get serious about like my my training until i was probably a sophomore in college so i've only been like consistently training for probably eight years and i'm like i look at myself and i'm like dude like I want to be more, I want to be more jacked. <laughs> like, I, want to be <laughs> that easy. I wish we I'm trying to, I'm trying yeah. to, I'm trying to be as jacked as possible and dunk <laughs> a basketball. Like, but you know, it's just like, Hey, like, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's do a kettlebell. Let's do a kettlebell deadlift from some blocks. And like, yeah. just like even doing that the other day, like you can see the confidence, like, you know, how much better they, how much better they, they feel about just their training in general, but like, um, gosh, I don't, there was something that I, that I wanted to ask based on some of the stuff we were saying before, but now I got sidetracked. Um, I said, we all wanted to get jacked. That was my fault. <laughs> yeah, no, but that, I mean, that's, that's really, it, it, I guess, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, it's, it's completely, it's completely left. It's completely left me, but the, um, I guess like from a, from a strength, from a strength training, you know, perspective, um, I mean, how do we get, I, I just, it, it's so, it's so challenging with like physicians and stuff like that, that don't like lift weights and, you know, different, uh, you know, pockets of, you know, physical therapy. I mean, even there's a lot there's of trainers. There's issues and trainers who don't either, which is don't. Yeah, it's like wild. Like, what in the world? Like, why are you not like practice for the trainers? Like, practice what you preach, man. Like, you literally posted so that. To, you literally posted. You literally yeah. posted that today. Yeah. But like, I guess how do we? 
how do you feel like as a society we can like get more people bought into strength training and i guess like the 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 question we should ask before that in you know in your opinion like why is it so important why is it so important to strength train yeah that's a great question um i mean at this point there is such an enormous body of literature on just in general the benefits of exercise in itself um just movement and how important that is for literally every organ system ever um and you know the shift has pushed even more toward the strength training side of things now too um just from a stance of like kind of what i was mentioning with I I personally think it's a lot less about a specific area of diagnosis and more of like a functional diagnosis of the things that the person is lacking and the things they need to get back to doing um, for their activity. But like, so that systemic building of strength is so helpful. Like I would argue for a lot of things, it's not even so much of exercise selection that's making a difference. It's just what's happening chemically, like physiologically, neurochemically from systemic strengthening in itself. That's helping us with, you know, injury, pain, and just overall like tissue capacity and resiliency. So if we can think of that from that perspective, that should make sense why like everybody should do it. There's just so much benefit from every, every organ system, uh, like that, that happens when we strength train. Um, and just from the obvious things too, especially like you're talking with, um, a woman who is older and isn't as used to strength training, but how important, um, building muscle is for, you know, bone density and, and bone resistance density. training for bone for density. Yep. Um, and also for independence. Like, I don't know about you, but I want to be 90 and be able to do everything I can do by myself. Um, yeah. the little things that I notice for me, like I love lifting. I consider myself to be pretty strong, but it's even like the day-to-day stuff. Like when I'm moving apartments and I'm doing it myself, like sure. stuff like that, that should be like this to, I think to promote, um, just independence for people is huge. Like maybe they don't want big muscles. Maybe they don't care about their squat or their deadlift, but like if you can stay out of a nursing home, if you can be as independent throughout your life as possible, that's awesome. Like that should be a goal for people. And I, my lens is through that of being a female, but like, I think there's no cooler feeling in the world to know that like, I probably don't need somebody's help with something like I can handle it. It's so powerful. And I mean, I know so many people just in my, in our family, like my, my wife and my family personally, that like they get to a certain age and it's, it just becomes very apparent that every time they leave their home, they need help. And, you know, some of these, some of these folks are not even in their seventies yet. And it's like, and again, like strength training and the, the, the kind of like, the, the kind of quality coach that you can get in 2022 obviously is completely different than what it was even 10 years ago or totally. 10 years before that. So like these folks are, this is a completely new, like even now, like I tell people, yeah, I'm a strength coach, personal trainer. Huh? Like what? Yeah. Is that, is that yeah. your real, is that your real job? Like, yeah, yeah. this is my real job. <laughs> uh, but um but like, it's so, it's so important. Like, but what I was going to say, like, I know so many folks that are, that get around that age and they, and they fall and mm-hmm. they don't have any balance. And again, like we circling back, like that lowest hanging fruit is just strength and strengthening of the system in general, like sure. a str- being a stronger 
being a stronger human. And then like, and just generally speaking, like, you know, a, a lot of that takes care of itself. I remember, I remember what I was going to say now. So like, we were talking about like graded, we were talking about like graded exposure to like strength training. And I have a, I have another older client. Her name's Lisa. She's 60. Um, she's awesome. She's trained with me. I moved to Florida for a year. So we, um, we didn't train when I was in Florida. Um, she had a lot of life stuff going on and, um, I tried to refer her to clay, my buddy. And I don't know if she ever reached out, but Lisa, if you listen to this, I love you. <laughs> she's not gonna, I don't think she, I don't think she's going to listen, but, uh, but Lisa, Lisa's, um, she has one knee that's been replaced that got replaced probably, I don't know, Katie, 10, 12 years ago. And, uh, it's great. Now the other knee is, is a whole different story. It's, um, it bothers her definitely. And, it, and you can, again, I'm no physical therapist. I'm not doing any kind of pulling and tugging or anything like that. I'm just kind of looking at like general pat. It doesn't look super stable. Like it doesn't look, yeah. you know, she, she kind of has a little bit of a limp, but like, do I still want to train the front side of her leg? Do I still want to train her, her, her quads? The answer is yes. Like, do I want to train the hamstrings? Yes. Do I want to train the glutes? Yes. Like, do I want to make sure that all of those surrounding tissues are as strong as they can possibly be? So when maybe eventually she does have the surgery that maybe the recovery time is a little bit, it, it, it's, she has a little bit easier. Crazy. That is evidence-based. Like that is, we know <laughs> right. that to be true. Right. Like right. it will be better. You can right. assure her like, right. yeah, like, this is going to be so much better. The stronger you are going into it. Like right. how empowering is that for somebody? Well, it's completely, it's completely different than the last time she had, you know, now she's, you know, she can box squat pain-free. She can do sled pushes pain-free. She can do a wall sit pain-free. She can do all of these different, I, I mean, there's, there's a myriad of, obviously like her RDLs, the hamstring stuff, trap bar deadlifts, like she has no issue with any of that stuff. Obviously deep, deep knee bending, lunging, split squats, that kind of stuff like bothers her, but like even like some split squat ISO holds and stuff, she can tolerate mm -hmm. that stuff. So it's like, but when we first started, like I can remember back, you know, four years ago, when I first met, first met Lisa, like a body weight squat to a box, a, a, a pretty high box was a real challenge, you know, yeah. and now she's yeah. holding, you know, 30, 40, 50 pound dumbbells for reps yeah. on a goblet box squat. And it's like, you know, those kind of, those kind of things. And like, obviously she feels better in her day-to-day -day life doing the things. And she's very active. Yeah. She, she has, she takes care of like her mom's property and does a lot of mowing and yard work and is always, and she's an x-ray tech. So she's always on her feet. She's going, yeah. going all the time. Um, but like, just like to see like how much more confident she is now with her movement and just how much stronger she's got. And just, again, her reporting to me saying like, I can't, like, I feel so much stronger and so much more capable because like the other thing is too, is like, she talks to me every time, like when she, you know, she's in the, you know, x-ray room, it's like, you know, sometimes she's got to lift some bigger individuals and like have to has to do a lot of you know position herself in a lot of so it's like um you know th those kind of things and again like it's not it, 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 it it's not it's not i guess it's not rocket science but like by the same token I, I definitely think people 
overcomplicate some of this stuff. And like, there's so much of, there's, there's also so much of this, like, marketing stuff on social media like the post I made the other day about functional and like I fell for this myself like being the you know the 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 trainer in his 20s who wants to continue to learn and like I'll fall into this system and fall in love with this system and fall in love with this system and it's and like this is functional bro and like the 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 uh, the, the leg press machine for this person like isn't function. And it's like, why does it matter? And like the other, the other thing is is like, and some of my clients, they kind of go crazy when I ask them, like, what did you like from this block? Like, what did you like? Like, what, what did you, what exercise selection, what did you enjoy? Oh, well, or like, you know, Hey, like, are are there things you want to see in your next block? Oh, I trust you. I trust you. Like, you don't have, I'm like, I know you trust me. You're yeah. paying, you're paying me, you're showing up, but like, right. but what do you enjoy? Because what you enjoy is what you're going to push yourself on. And totally. when your outputs are really good and your intent is really high, you're going to get really good results. Yeah. yeah. You're going to get really good results. So it's like uh, the, the, this like whole functional thing, like it's something I've really changed my opinion on, like where, you know, even two or three years ago, like functional was you know, you have to squat by all means necessary. And like, it's no machines. And it's like, no, it's like, that kind of stuff is a little silly. It's like, it's exercise, it's movement, you know, so we overcomplicate everything. And I think that your journey of finding things that you really, really believe in system wise, and then kind of realizing, oh, wait, not so much, then you find another one, that's growth. And that means you're a good coach. Like, I think that the most important thing is that we've all in this industry like started through each of those fads and crazes i think now we've all come to the same conclusion of like yeah we just got to get people to move in a way they like like it's so simple but i think you do have to go through a little bit of that in the beginning to find what you and and to be able to change your mind right like i think i have the most respect for people who can change their mind like i think that's huge i think that's so important when new evidence and experience presents itself you can change your mind um so I think we've all, I mean, 100%, I went through that exact same thing too. Right. Um, and it's so much more about like making it accessible and simple is really the main thing at this point. Um, I think it's getting better because of the newer generation of medical providers. Like I think people going to medical school now, or maybe who have just finished medical school or in their, their residencies and fellowships now, um, I think there's a lot more of people understanding the holistic model and more of the biopsychosocial approach to things, more of movement being the answer. Um, Every now and then I do get people who come in because they have seen somebody else first, like a physician or a surgeon even, and they've been like, no, you don't need imaging. You just need therapy. You need to get strong. That happens sometimes. Like it's starting to happen. So I think it's getting a lot better. Um, I think in terms of what we all can do is, you know, like, like stuff like this, like creating networks. That's why social media can be awesome. I think it can be ridiculous and awful in our industry, but I think it can be awesome because we now have a network. Like if I know somebody that's going to be moving to your area, I know somebody that they should work with. I know you, like that's insane. So the more that we can grow this bubble from it being a tiny echo chamber, but to it actually being something where nationally we know people now, internationally we know people. Um, That's what I think we can harness the good of social media for, um, which is important. Like we didn't, 
you know, we didn't have that access before. No, no, definitely not. It's hard, it, but, but like it, it, it's, it, it's a double social, such a double-edged sword, like, because there, there are, there's, there's so many, there's so many guys, guys and gals that I've even met like in the last year and a half that like, like yourself and like even connecting with like Kyle Dobbs and like, you know, Clifton Harsky, like all these, all these yeah. different people that like, I know and respect in the, in the industry. And like, but even like you look at some of their followings and the, the like some of these, some of these like influencers, like they have this like level of reach that is just like, so, and, and, and Instagram isn't like necessarily the best place for like us to get out like good messaging because it's more about just like, you know, the, the reels and the like fast, but like, but by the same, obviously you can't look at it that way. You have to look at it like in a, in a, in a positive way. Um, it's but it, hard, can, though. it can be so, fr- it can be so frustrating sometimes. Well, um, I think it can go too far in the other direction too. What I think, sure. I, what irritates me a lot in this realm um, is also kind of like the, the virtue signaling of telling everybody how wrong they are. Um, you can create your video of you talking to the screen and saying how wrong they are and how correct you are, or, you know, bashing a trainer because you're a PT, um, like stuff where it's just, I would argue that most PTs need to learn a lot more and think more like coaches. Like, I think I'm a better therapist because I'm a coach. Like um, I, I think that kind of stuff, like, that's what I have such a hard time with where it's turned into instead of our own plight to just spread good information. We're now taking it another step and finding people who are saying things that maybe aren't up to date or maybe aren't correct and bashing them. Like that's just stuff that I can't get behind. Um, I'm all for spreading a good message and all of that, but I think it's turned into this like a witch hunt almost where yeah it's away from the bigger picture because we're just arguing all of the time like yeah, instead so of much. instead of us just being you know able to have a conversation like this it's turned into this crazy social media shit show of like yeah who can who can create a video that is funny and making fun of somebody else or like if it i don't know to me personally i have yeah. too much going on in my day to get that upset over a trainer maybe saying something that isn't exactly correct yeah I can't I I mean I've got two kids and a book of clients and a business to run and a podcast to do I don't I yeah I and and like but I've seen that so much recently like people coming after you know different what like you said coaches and then you know coaches come it just like this constant like drama and like everybody looking for yeah. everybody uh it's it's just and if yeah, you're trying I, to use social media for your business then create content that attracts your client or patient archetype and then nothing else should matter like right. not everybody has to be a warrior for the good of healthcare and the good of like it's just it's exhausting if that's sure. your business and that's why you're doing it cool like if you're trying to appeal to that audience for a reason but for me like I'm trying to post stuff to show that I know what I'm talking about I can help you and to also connect with fellow like-minded clinicians and coaches like sure that I'm not trying to shit talk people um I might poke fun at some ideologies or something but I'm not like sure 
going out of my way to comment on someone's page and be like, actually, what you've said is very incorrect according to this study. Like I'm not, yeah. not even in my circle who I don't even know who is just this random person on the internet. It's just right. not a good use of my time. No. If that's what you're passionate about and that's what you're creating your business for or whatever, fine. But if you're like, it's just virtue signaling at this point. Sure, I agree. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think most of the time, like the, the people, the people that are like doing the, the, that kind of stuff are, uh, and like it, yeah. Like if I'm going to poke fun at something, then like, I'm going to say, like, it's going to be something that I'm making fun of myself about. Like I did this because you know what I mean? Like I did this earlier in my career and like, (laughs) you know, that, that kind of thing where like, you know, I'm going to hold myself accountable and like poke fun at myself. Like I, I have no problem. I have no problem. Uh, you know, uh, poking light, p- making fun of myself, like well, first and foremost, like what we've talked about the evolution of who you are as a coach now, sure. the evolution of who I am as a coach, like maybe this person is just in that earlier stage of their evolution right. and they're going to go through that process. Like when I first started training after rowing, like everything I did was bodybuilding style um everything Same. like those two balls were great like all of this yeah. stuff that now I was scared of bringing my knees too far over my toes like yeah. all of this yeah. stuff that I now know is bullshit but yeah. like if somebody screamed at me every time I had a thought like that it might have deterred me from even being in this industry at all but I wasn't like I was able to kind of work through that and find new evidence and it sucks when people make money off of an illegitimate or a bad idea like promoting don't ever put your knees over toes or promoting some bullshit idea or whatever, or saying that sports specific training involves tapping lights on a wall and standing on a BOSU ball, like whatever. (laughs) It sucks. It sucks. But I'd rather not like dismantle this person's profession and and system. I'd rather just focus on my own. (laughs) Like I'd rather work on what I am investigating in the research and with experience because yes they're both important like I'd rather focus on me and my business and my patient than trying to disrupt this person who yeah they're wrong and they suck whatever but like what am I going to do about that right no 100% um I want to respect your time we've been going for close to an hour here um but yeah, that, I, I know. That's why it's, and, and I have so much, I, there's literally so much more we could talk about, like from the like biopsychosocial stuff, strength stuff. Like, I, I mean, I could literally go all day. We'll do, we'll do another, we'll do another one because we'll do yeah, we'll, we'll have to do a part two, but um, just, and then like a couple more, a couple more, th- like what are, I guess what are like three, four, five, like low hanging fruit items that, you like to talk to most of your patients about as far as like whether it be movement sleep nutrition like what 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 are some of the things that you talk with with patients about on a consistent basis yeah i really love this question um i think one of the biggest things in the beginning um is kind of what i mentioned like the reassurance thing of just talking about how very unlikely it is that something really severe is wrong um, and using that to our advantage and, and really just moving in a really safe way. Um, I think that reassurance thing is, is the, the biggest thing that I can always tackle. Um, I think another thing is always like making sure that people know how they can continue to move and train within their tolerance that won't disrupt what we're working on from an injury standpoint. Um, like showing people that okay, your 
you have like a shoulder tendinopathy, you don't have to stop doing everything. Like there's so many other things that we can do within a pain-free range of motion. So you can continue to train and move. Um, I think that is huge and very, very missed by a lot of therapists. Um, Cause they just see this injured part, but like, no, like let's find everything else that you can still do. Um, an example I, I like to use is um, one of my awesome CrossFitters that I worked with. She had a subscap tear um, and she had a lot of pain with everything overhead, obviously. Sure. And, um, but she like CrossFit was her life. She went six times a week. She loves CrossFit. I'm not going to take that away from her. Like I, we basically created a plan of all of the modifications, if there was an overhead lift to do instead. And we worked on all of those and progressed them as she went. And she was able to obviously eventually like our end session was this horrific AMRAP and EMOM thing that I created for her with handstand walks and snatches, everything she needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause if I don't test that therapy, how do I know she's good to go? Right. So, but to give people things to work on that they can still move their body with and encourage them that it's safe to do so. I think that's so probably, weird. so probably some horizontal pushing. As well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, like there is so much she could still do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do some, damn pu- do some damn push-ups, crossfit. Yeah, like do every single variation imaginable. <laughs> yeah, if it, yeah. If it yeah. hurts, don't. Like it's yeah, just, yeah. Like that's exactly, exactly. Um, so those two are big things. And then I think also like just getting people a little bit more aware of like their stress levels and just how they feel throughout the day. I talk a lot about like autonomic balance with people. Okay. Again, in a very surface level way if needed. Sometimes I mean, I'm lucky I get to work with a lot of coaches and PTs and people who um, are, we speak the same language, which is really fun. Um, But talking about kind of the impacts of the stress response and what that means and how our brains don't really differentiate good stress versus bad stress. We're getting the same cascade of hormonal and chemical responses. Um, But our environment, what we do, go ahead. Why why zebras don't get ulcers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Sapolsky is always a good plug at this point. Um, But just being able to make people aware of that and and also like to, I think this might be a separate point, but to add the human element back in um, and to like reassure people that you're in pain and you can't do what you love. It is so human and normal for you to be depressed about it and for it to suck. Like, let yourself feel that and know that you aren't weaker or lesser than because this is getting you down. Like humanizing the process of pain and injury and recover and recovery is insane. Like I, um, I think that's such a missed thing for people to focus on as well as just like, you're human. It's okay to feel shitty about this. Like it yep. sucks when I, when I can't do what I love to do, it sucks. Yep. So the humanizing pain, I think is really important. Yep. Love it. Um, the last thing I've been asking everyone, what is your, we'll start with, what is your least favorite thing about the space? Like whether it be, and obviously everyone that comes on is unique, you're in kind of a strength conditioning slash rehab setting. Um, but I guess what is your, what's your least favorite thing about the space? We might've already, we we might've already touched on this. I think how misunderstood therapy and rehab can be and how most people think it's bullshit because they've had a bad experience or um, how most people don't take it seriously because they have had a really 
that typical model that we talk about where they're being seen with four patients at once, their therapist themselves maybe isn't super into exercise and they're getting a crazy underdosed version of exercise that is the same cookie cutter response for everybody who comes in. Um, like that sucks that as yeah. a provider for me to have to defend every day, what I do as a profession to get people to trust that um, like I'm legitimate because of their bad experiences or because of the public perception of PT, like that sucks. Yeah, that um, sucks. It's helpful at times because I can really show them how we're very different. <laughs> right. I feel like this is so not that, yeah. but I do almost every time have to defend what my job is and i it's so it's annoying um yeah, that's challenging and i i hate that i hate that there's such a bad name for what physical therapy is everybody thinks it's like everybody's view of a physical therapist clinic is like carpet that hasn't been changed since the 80s 12 tables along the wall weird smooth jazz ultrasounds plugged in everywhere recumbent and, bikes yeah, yeah recumbent yeah. bikes and yeah. Um, and it's this, like that idea is why people either take so long to come to us in the first place, never do get a surgery or start training instead, which is awesome. Um, but they're, they miss the idea that like, we actually are supposed to be specialized in exercise and fitness. And a lot of PTs aren't, don't get me wrong, but I just feel like people are either like, Oh, I'm just going to start training and doing yoga, or I'm going to get surgery. And people do not know that there's something in the middle that can yeah. like help with all of that. It sucks. Right. It's physical therapy. It should be, you know, should be physical. Yeah. Should, but, um, and then what's your favorite thing? Ooh, how positive. <laughs> um, I think probably that I get the opportunity to create an environment where we get to do what we want and show people how great it can be. Um, I think like the therapist's, my facility are incredible and like my day-to-day -day life at work is it's like almost laughable how much fun it is um because i have been able to find clinicians who are out of this world like right. just amazing human beings and who have revitalized like my love for the profession like every single day i am met with people who are just as passionate about changing the narrative as I am. Um, and like, I get to see that every day. So I don't right. even get that same experience that probably a lot of PTs who think this way, but they're stuck in a setting that, that isn't really conducive to what they would really like to do with patients. Right. I'm so lucky that I don't get that exposure. I get sure. exposure of like awesomeness and seeing yeah. the stuff happening around me. That's so awesome. I, that's my favorite part that like, it might not be this ever reaching grasp just yet, but like our bubble that we've created and slowly it's growing with referrals. We're 100% referral based. So we're just awesome. getting more people aware. Uh, um, that's my favorite part. Yeah, but that's awesome. And it's, it's astonishingly clear that you genuinely care about what you do. And I think that's, I think that's the, I think that's the biggest thing that our space needs from physical therapy, the rehab profession, strength and conditioning coaches, personal trainers, like we have to have more people that like are really passionate about not only like training and like doing the thing, but like helping other people and like getting, um, you know, everyone, as many people in our circles, um, you know, into moving their body and being, um, helping people be more independent 
helping people be stronger for life. So I think that's, I think that's huge. Katie, like I said, I wanted to, I want to respect your time. What, um, where can everyone find you plug all of your stuff? Um, our gyms page is old bull athletics on Instagram. Um, and then mine is just KT, the letters and then Dabrowski, my last name. Do you just type in KT dab? You'll probably find it. Um, nice. the, last name, the last name's a lot. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Um, and then, like I said, if you'll, you'll kind of poke around on the page and see all of the other amazing clinicians that are here. Um, we have such a great team. So lots of good content to follow for the rehab and strength world. Yeah, right on. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to plug everything in the, in the uh, description. So Katie, it's been awesome. We'll, uh, we're definitely gonna have to do a part two. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. So much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you please leave the podcast a rating and review, I'd really appreciate it. I'd also like to share that my most recent project, the Kaizen Protocol Training Programs, are available for purchase. The link to purchase each program is in the description, and you can find the link on my Instagram page as well, which is also linked in the description. There are three templates based on goals. The Jacked Athletic Template for those of you trying to get bigger, stronger, and more athletic. The General Strength and Hypertrophy Template for those of you who want to get bigger, stronger, and look and feel your best. There's also a spinoff of this template that features more direct glute training. Each program is $57 a piece, or you can get the bundle of all three at a discounted rate of $150. For one-on-one remote coaching, or if you're in the Cincinnati area and you want to work with me, please hit the link in the description and fill out the short questionnaire, and I'll be in touch ASAP. Lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast, I've put a link for my Venmo account in the description as well. I appreciate your support and look forward to recording more episodes in the future.